as the camera fades in here in Alkenstar, we are back. Only some time has passed since the last episode. Now, what I want to do at this point is sort of come into your character's lives after the last investigation you guys did. Each of you would have time to go back and kind of do some of your character's day-to-day -day activities, things that, you know, you would do that maybe the audience doesn't know about. So why don't you each one by one go through, sort of give us a brief synopsis overview of maybe some basic day-to-day -day things that your character would be doing in the weeks after the last job with Aldo. Anita, let's go ahead and start with you. Okay, so immediately after that night with Hagos, uh, Anita and Refi would have went to, or she would have invited him to go to the casino. She would gamble because she actually got addicted to the gambling and then would have came home with the lady that she met uh, the morning of, uh, the, uh, earlier in the morning. Uh, she would have brought her back to like their place. And then in the morning, she'd be respectful as she walks her out and then like say hi to her dad and Rafi as they're eating breakfast, just being like casual about it. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you live at home with your dad still? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Do you at least have your own bedroom that you don't share with Rafikul? Yes, no, yeah. Okay, Anita just checking. definitely has her own bedroom. And um, so since that, I'm assuming, would be her last day uh, with them, she would have spent it just hanging out with her dad and uh, Refi. And then immediately she'd try to go to the bakery to see uh, Maeve, but if she's busy, she would have bribed a boy or like just a random kid to buy like a bagel or something since she doesn't want to go in there herself. Uh, most of her downtime is honestly spent in the um, at the school at Blither. Uh, she would be shadowing Vashon if she could. And she doesn't have a lot of friends over there because she spends most of her time like in the lab, um, creating stuff or just workshopping ideas with Vashon or anyone that's willing to listen. Um, she would maybe like try and hide Wybert if he's becoming too much of a nuisance, but for the most part, she's always behind. Uh, Wybert's always behind her. Wybert. Menace to society. So we get this sort of montage of Anita's life, and I would say the one thing that, like, you've, you've probably spent a decent amount of time with Fashion, although he's very reclusive he doesn't always like to go out but you know how to like push his buttons you know how to get him talking about the stuff he likes to talk about which he opened him up to you interestingly enough a few weeks ago he did a sort of demonstration at the college and in the process of the demonstration which he was he was supposed to be showing his new product he's invented the thing he's called pyronite which he's told you endlessly about which is explosives compacted into a small small amount so he showed you an amount that he was going to be demonstrating it was maybe the size of like a goblin's forearm or something tiny that's a very specific unit of measurement but like a small creature's thing like you know a bundle about this big right he told you that the the explosive power of that would rival like tons and tons of 
traditional black powder. So for his demonstration, he actually basically created a tiny pea drop size of what he calls pyronite just to demonstrate its its capabilities. And you know, making things this explosive is not uncommon in Alkenstar and in, in Blythir. But what makes this one so special is how he's managed to stabilize it, right? It's it's like this sort of explosive liquid that can be moved fairly stably, and it's pretty easy to set off, right? It's just if you hit it, it's going to explode. So during his demonstration, he took a tiny pea-sized drop of this stuff, packed audience, onlookers. When he set it off, it exploded so big, it destroyed half of the ta- alchemist tower that he was in. And since that failure, which he has considered a failure because for some reason his calculations were supposed to be just a demonstration amount, not destructive amount, he's been hard to get a hold of. And he's kind of gone back into his house and he's not been on campus for shadowing in recent weeks. Yeah, knowing that Anita would have reclused herself a little bit more because she's sad that her only really friend isn't present anymore. So she'd be inventing a lot of stuff or making her uh, formulas and gadgets. Very cool. So from there, the camera sort of like crossfades and Anita's face sort of disappears and Hal Brent's face kind of comes into view. So see Hal Brent. Hal Brent. Yeah. Go. Mm-hmm. At the end of the last episode, you saw him head out a break in the wall with his new pup, who he has since renamed Sill. Um, and every time the, the storms come in, he heads on to the outskirts of Alkenstar, chasing the, the lights and the thunder, teaching his new pup how to hunt creatures on the wastes, be it lizards or other small critters, for dinner. Uh, ever since his roommate was shot, weeks if not months ago uh, he hasn't been able to afford a place to stay so he's been staying behind the brothel in a lean-to and he makes his way out towards the evening usually every night and heads towards uh, the main sheared marshal's post to see if he can pick up any odd jobs for the lady that's in charge over there but uh, ever since Saruk secured I guess, residency at the uh, young dwarf's place. He's been popping in in the mornings uh, with half-empty bottle of liquor and getting the dog some food and some lizard tails and letting him eat out of the bowl and everything in his in his place and then gets up around sundown and heads out onto the wastes to fetch whatever he might be ha- having to fetch to make a little bit of coin. So I think um, one of the things you've picked up too is there's a, a bar that's kind of known for law enforcement sort of officials to kind of go to and, and they call it like the Spurs and it's actually in uh, Skyside but it's just across the bridge so it's not too far to get to and you don't have to go too far into the city but you're able to uh, you've kind of learned that if you really want to pick up jobs the best way is to sort of drink there and occasionally you'll get tips on jobs and things like that. So that might be where you might make your rounds every now and then, you know, the camera turns actually, cause you're feeding the dog tails and the bullet in Aldo's apartment. And it turns over to Saruk. So Saruk, 
Can you give us a quick rundown of maybe what a day in the life of Saruk looks like in these weeks? So Hal did put it very succinctly. In fact, here in this role-playing game, I figured out how to get affordable housing at level one. So truly, it's a fantasy setting. But uh, the first, like, the morning after, I suppose, when everything's going down, uh, first things first is go find whoever owns the building and inform them that Aldo will be out of town with the church on, uh, like, emergency business, ostensibly, and that, like, I'm supposed to be here. I'm here house-sitting with Aldo's consent. No, I didn't think to have him sign a thing to show you, but you can go talk to the Church of Torag about it. They will 1,000% corroborate that story. Yeah, his rent's paid through at least a few more weeks, so he's, you know, he's just saying, like, if Aldo's not back by the first of the month, then, you know, you're going to owe the rent. For sure. And then from there, like, day one is find whatever in Alkenstar one can buy incredibly cheaply, but, like, the most cost-effective way to feed an army. And, like, the person who owns the building, everyone who lives on that floor, obviously Hal and Sil, if they're coming around a lot, the goal is to just make friends, feed everybody, get on a first-name basis with everybody who's around here, and then continue to do that every week-ish or so. From there, if there is a church of Majagwa in town, Saruk would go offer to do, like, low-end work at the church just to, like, afford to feed himself so he's not just eating all of Aldo's food forever and ever and ever. That's if there's not, the, uh, the Temple of Torog will do just fine Wizards. if there's... <laughs> <laughs> just gotta bring me all the lizards just what are we having for lunch lizard tails <laughs> yeah there's there doesn't seem to be at least an openly advertised temple of um majagua did i say it right i don't remember yeah uh, yeah you got it okay i don't get a hero point for you mispronouncing my deity <laughs> but uh <laughs> you uh you get you know there are rumors that on the outskirts of town Outside of the walls of Alchemstar, there are some farmland. And within that farmland, there is an oldish orc woman that openly worships the same uh, deity. Um, nice. Not like an official temple or church per se, but gives you a lead to maybe follow up on to, to go meet her someday. Cool. And then from there, from day X to Y, I suppose... Uh, Saruk is in town to find an orc by the name of Gimthrak, and so we are just trace the bounty to its source. Who does he hang out with? Where does he go to relax casually? How can I find this person to either take them alive and then take them back from Alkenstar across Garund, or in the worst case scenario, do what has to be done? But yeah, you spend a lot of your downtime other than feeding, pursuing this one specific lead. Is this one of your leads? This is like one of your locked-in leads as well? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So we'll get to perhaps that lead in just a moment. But first, we pan over to the last of our group, and that is Reficule. Uh, Reficule, why don't you go ahead and share maybe what your sort of day in the life looks like? Right. Well, every morning he wakes up. Probably not quite as early as Annie and Kojak, but uh, he's trying to get used to being more of a morning person. But uh, he'll wake up, go out and have breakfast with them, 
Usually a glass of whiskey and something sweet. Donut. Candy. Whatever you can find. But, uh... After that morning whiskey, he'll, uh... Spend an hour each morning thoroughly cleaning his, uh... His pistol. After that, he'll, uh... Probably spend a, b a bit of time practicing with it. Doing a bit of, uh... Dry firing first, and then actual live firing. I'm trying to conserve ammunition, though. Then he would spend uh, most of the day probably helping out Kojak while Annie's over at the college learning and being all book smart. But uh, help Kojak out with whatever, whatever he needs. Kind of act of security there. And Kojak spends most of his day sort of on call for, like, wounds and injuries and stuff going door to door you know some of it's like pretty innocuous like you know my child's not feeling good and he'll come by and sort of check on them and maybe give some medicine and help and other of it can be a bit on the shady side like somebody's caught a bullet and is bleeding out and he's the one called in to save their life right he's kind of a jack of all trades yeah. in that way the, the, the more family friendly house calls refuge would be more in in the background in the alley across the street not not in the not in the house with uh, a sick child but uh if if uh, Kojak is being called for like a sick child or so, Refi will make sure to get whatever candy or sweets he had had and save some for Kojak to give to the child as well. But uh, the more shady jobs would definitely be a little more prominent to make sure that the people know that Kojak ha has someone watching his back. And then after that, uh, when Annie's back from schooling, whatever Annie, you know, might need him to do if they have some jobs to go run or anything he would help out with that and besides from that any free time he would have he would spend um, looking for old associates probably the lowest rung friends he might have had from before just to kind of watch from afar and see what they might be up to where they might be going who they might be meeting yeah, so interestingly, right, you chase down some of these leads, some of these people that you know from your previous life, and the oddest thing seems to be that most of them are just missing. There is this recurring theme where you track someone down, and like a ghost, they've just... they're just gone. And I think one day you do manage to catch up with someone... And, you know, basically, as you kind of bear down on them, you catch them hurriedly packing their bag, just taking everything they have into luggage, pale, looking like a ghost. And when they see you, they go even paler and they drop the bag and it like clamors to the floor and pops open and spills their luggage. And they're looking real scared. And then they say, sent you to kill me. Like the others. Now why would I be wanted to kill you? I... I... It's the crack. They're like on their knees, like picking up luggage and like trying to like get their suitcase back together. He's like... I... He's... He's tying up loose ends. I don't know. Something big's going on. So what would you be need... What would you know that would, uh... Have you needing to be leaving in such a hurry there, friend? I can't say. C come on. If you don't know already, then he'll kill me. If he, if, if he knows I spoke. Now, I said he didn't send me to kill you. I never said I wasn't going to kill you myself, and I start taking off my jacket, and I hang my hat. 
let's get comfortable and talk a while. Yeah, there's like a sort of a like long tense pause between the two of you. Essentially, what happens is he he doesn't know specifics, right? He doesn't know why, but Ambrose Mugland has been offing a lot of his rivals and offing a lot of people that were once friends, people that owed money or that Ambrose owes money to. All he knows is Ambrose is into something big, some big move he's about to make, and he doesn't want anyone in his inner circle to screw it up for him. So he's been taking people out one by one. And after we have a nice little chat, and I probably pour out a drink for myself and my friend from whatever stash he's got, or they, she's got, I don't know, I'll put back my hat, make sure it's nice and low, say, well, friend, I thank you kindly for the information. Now I'd continue packing and make sure you get gone. Oh, and one more thing. I'm, remember, I'm dead. And I'd like to stay that way. So if you mention that you might have seen a ghost or a demon, you'll wish that Muglin's goons would have found you. And you see my my face just kind of staring for a moment before I go, oh, damn it. And then I wink with my right eye. <laughs> and then we see, I guess, you know, the, the, it fades from there. We see a scene a familiar location bathed in neon light bathing the room in this sort of neon purple and pink glow the office of Hagos it flickers every few seconds just bathing the room in darkness for just moments at a time we have come in mid conversation and we see Hagos sitting at his desk drinking his whiskey pompous as usual and we see facing him and all we see is the back of the neck it's a thick orcish neck covered with tattoos coming up the shoulder up the back of the head face away from us and we see Hago speaking like look my team didn't get the job done them's the breaks and we can hear the orcish figure speaking Another team we sent after Aldo went missing. Apparently turned up dead at a brothel. Uh, Hagos is like, Yeah, serves you right for double dipping on a bounty, especially without telling me. Not the point. Eyewitnesses gave me a description of the team. It included an orc and a man wearing an eye patch. Were they your guys? Listen, I don't know what sort of shop you think I'm running here, but my crew's identity is none of your business. Plus, look, if I give them your name, then you know I'd be the type of guy to give your name if somebody came knocking. And, well, I ain't that kind of guy. Just tell me their names. The orcish figure we see kind of pulls up from his belt, sitting in the chair dagger in hand or it can get real messy in here Hago slams his hand on the desk standing up leaning forward 
You think you can threaten my life in my own office? The lights blink out for just a moment on the neon sign. We hear a loud thud. When the lights come back on in dark purple, we can see the hand pinned against the desk dagger through. The camera turns around and we get a full look at this orcish face with the tattoos coming up, up half the face and around one of the eyes. Perhaps we can work something out. As the camera is close on this orc's face, there's a smash cut to Halbrand sitting in a bar. Sitting in the bar with his pup. We can see the sun coming in from behind through stained glass windows, making everything a silhouette to the camera. A figure pushes the swinging doors of the saloon open, and we hear a dwarven man's voice call out. Halbrant Beastwood, is that you? You old son of a bitch. Halsey, <laughs> an older dwarven man, Dag Sternmore, an old shield marshal that Hal worked with once or twice in your previous earlier years. He kind of comes up next to you and saddles up on the stool in the bar. How about you buy an old retired man a drink? Yeah, I can do that. Bartender, give me in uh, this... Well, I give him a stool. It's a little taller and something really stiff. Been saving up some money staying at a old friend's place. Yeah, and, and just like you see a lot of people, there's a lot of respect for this man. All there's this bar is mostly either off duty shield marshals or people that are adjacent to the law, and they all kind of raise the drink and give the man a nod. He's definitely been around for a while. He's got some integrity and some know how in the community. Um, and he smiles, and he looks down at your your pup. He's like sniffing his foot, it's like cute pup. What's her name? Sil, short for Sylvia, or we just call her Sil, like you call me how. Sil, Sil reaches down and like pets the the pup a little bit. So what have you been up to these days? Still, uh, still making some coin where you can. Where I can. You got any leads? Well, I mean, I don't know if you've heard, but I retired last week. Like, he shows his, his like, pulls back his, like, coat where he usually has his shield marshal badge. It's just gone. It's just empty. Yeah, not many get to retire in my line of work. Yeah, Lyrian told me about that, but is what it is in this place. Congratulations. I mean, bartender, give him another one. Yeah. Well, you know, it ain't all it's cracked up to be. I, I kind of, I couldn't shoot straight no more. A little. <laughs> yeah. He holds up his hand. You can see he's got like the like the shakes kind of setting in, right? Like, yeah, it, it's more like they kicked me to the curb. But everyone's been real nice about it. I mean, you've been working here for years. You deserve some time off. Some good friends to buy you a drink now and then. Well. Actually, you know, if you're looking for work, I actually do have something. Nothing fancy. You know, I apologize. It's it's not much, but, uh, you know, I could use some good company and someone I can trust. Pays five gold. You know I'm your man. Awesome. It's just, you know, security work for an old friend of mine. He just wants us to keep an eye on things. Make sure nobody breaks into his warehouse, gets into his goods. 
basic stuff. Is it a night gig? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Overnight. It's perfect for me. All right. To friendship. And he, like, picks up his glass and, like, you know, downs it. Like, clinks it and then downs it with you. From there, there's a cut, another smash cut, and we see a scene. We are at a dinner with Reficule Anita and Anita's father. So... We see your father. He's sitting there. There's a nice meal on the table. Wybert is like using his saw to like cut meat and serve it to people, right? So he he looks across at you and says, "Anita, how are things at school these days?" Oh, it's all it's all very interesting. Um, everyone is a little worried about the the exams that are coming up soon, but I keep telling them that it's very easy. I just don't know why they don't want to believe me. Oh, about what, honey? Uh, Refi, can you pass the peas? Right here you go, Kojak. Yeah, takes the peas, starts dishing out his plate as he's looking at you. Also, Dad, have you heard about what happened to, to Vashin? Oh, I read about it in the papers. Was he alright? I don't know. I've been trying to get a hold of him, but I haven't really heard from him ever since. Well, I mean, explosion like that, maybe he got hauled off by the authorities. I don't know. I mean, it was obviously a mistake. He just miscalculated a couple of things. No one got hurt. Just the building. You know, sweetie, if there's one thing I can be sure of, it's that you would never miscalculate anything. And he reaches over and, like, pinches your cheek a little bit. Ah, not in front of Ruffy. <laughs> I've worked so hard to give you all the opportunities that I never had. You got... And he, like, goes to your head and he, like, taps your head, right? Like... You got, you got that smart brain from your mother. You know, you remind me more of her every day. I wish I could remember her. It's not really much that I do. You can see now, right? He's losing it upstairs a little bit. Like, he's getting older. Some of what he's saying doesn't really gel with what you would know, right? Have you been sleeping, Ruffy? Are you making sure Kojak has been sleeping while I'm not here? Right. Uh, of course. I've been doing that. Um, definitely, definitely not uh, playing cards with him at all. Kojak! Uh, what? Um, yeah. And he, he turns to Ruffy and he's like, Ruffycule, not, not that I haven't enjoyed you staying with us for this past year, but uh, have you given any thoughts to like your future? Maybe like one where you're not living in my house? Oh, right. Um, I, uh, me and Annie have been uh, talking about an apartment. Yes, um, a few opportunities to make some some gold uh, tutoring at the school. Annie said, and I've been able to, you know, work out some labor, maybe. Um, so, and this whole time, Refugio is drinking coffee, and you said dinner, right? <laughs> and just going straight for the dessert. But, uh, I mean, if, if it's, if it's a bother, I could, uh, sorry, I could try to find something. Oh, Jack, like, sort of catches Anita's face, you know, to see how her facial expression is as he's, like, trying to nudge Reficule, like, out the door, you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise to kick Ruffy out. He's been nothing. Oh, no, I would never. I mean, he's, he's part of this family now. 
He is. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes a man's got to make his own way. I've had a few opportunities to make some some more gold, so I could definitely start paying my share here. Go, Jack, are you... Where is this all coming from? It hasn't done anything. I don't understand. Uh, also, why are we do dealing with this now? I just got back. Weedie, can't we just have a nice dinner? Why? Well, trying to... There's a fight with you. No, usually it shouldn't be, but you're bringing up things that you don't usually do. So that's very uncharacteristically... It makes me anxious. Uh, just at that moment, there's like a knock on the door and there's like an out-of-breath woman. And she's like, oh, Kojak, sorry. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt your dinner, but we got a situation, a, a gunshot wound. And he's like already like getting up I was the literally table. about to be like, Refuse, like, I hear someone at the door and like right. try to leave. <laughs> so he like kind of puts his napkin down and like grabs his doctor bag and just says, we'll finish this conversation later and like rushes out the front door. Leaving Refi and Anita sort of looking at each other. And the scene sort of fades from there. Take another another serving of dessert real quick. <laughs> to a scene. It's another scene with Anita, but it's happening at a different time. And we see Anita in her laboratory at school. And there is a, uh, a sort of like knock on the door and the door kind of opens and we see like a small halfling man wearing like pretty fine clothes like a pocket watch kind of on his his little like waist that he's constantly checking as he sort of walks in and he's like I, I don't mean to be interrupting oh yes how can I help you sorry uh my name and he, he, like, reaches out for your hand so he can, like, kind of kiss it, right? He doesn't have to bend down, right? Because it's, like, he's a halfling, so. Uh, my name is Ambrose. Ambrose Mugland. You're Ambrose Mugland? Oh, you've heard of me. My reputation mm -hmm. precedes me. Hopefully nothing too bad. No, not so far. Why? How do I owe the pleasure? Well, to be quite honest, it's, it's all about that guy over there. And he kind of like points over at Wybert. Yes, he's adorable, isn't it? And functional, no doubt. Not a single spring, cog, or gear on him. Thank you. Um, not a lot of people notice that, but I've been working really hard to make sure that he doesn't show any of that, but is working very well. So, enlighten me. How does How does it work? Well, actually, um, right beneath, at, at the core of what you would anatomically place as the heart, is a base made up of cogs and gears and clockwork. And I know that people have been winding down some of their constructs, but I've been trying to make this power source that involves a casing and a sort of chemical reaction that I used to talk to Vashon about so it's all underneath his eyes sort of his eyebrow sort of goes up oh so you work with Vashon it's quite a demonstration wouldn't you say I know he didn't mean to do that though oh sure sure yeah no but 
Did you perhaps help him come up with his formula? Has he talked about it? No, it was just it was a surprise to me as it was to you. He uh he at this point there's like you have like a part of your desk. There's like this little tin engraving you have and it's a picture of you and Kojak and Reficule sort of at like a carnival or a fair of some sort and it's just sitting there on your desk, right? And he stops and he looks at it and he picks it up and he goes, "And who might this be?" And he points at like Reficule. Is this your boyfriend? No, that's someone. Why? Well, that's Kojak, by the way. <laughs> Kojak. Yeah. Kojak and someone. Yeah. He was a stranger in the circus. Well, Kojak thought he's been having trouble lately, dementia. He thought that it'd be nice to have someone else inside the picture. So he's right there. So if this isn't your boyfriend, then you're free to have dinner this weekend, perhaps? Puts the picture back. Oh. Great. Friday, 7 o'clock. There's no Friday. I'd like to be picked up. I hope you have, like, a a huge carriage or something right outside the building. Of course, Make of course. sure everyone sees it. Yeah? Oh. Yeah, of course. How about why, hey. but? Well, that brings me to my second point. I would like to fully fund, nay, purchase your research right here and now. If you'll sell it. Funding is an interesting proposition. However, I'm not too very keen on you taking over it. A man of my stature and position is not accustomed to not getting what he wants. I'm just giving you more reasons to ask me out on a date and give me that carriage. Everyone always wants a chase, yeah? Interesting one, Anita. I'll be keeping my eye on you. He, like, gives you a wink with his left eye. And, uh... Steps out of your office. (sighs) (laughs) And it cuts over from here, right? To, uh... So Rurik's chasing up on these leads, right? So Rurik has a one one ultimate goal here, and that is to track down this Gimthrak. You've been spending most of this time not getting many leads. Not Most people have seen or heard rumors or whispers of him, but no one really seems to know who he is or where he comes from, or even who he works for, for that matter. But you actually get contacted from the most unlikely of people that has a potential lead for you on this situation. And that is Hagos and Hagos has requested your presence. He says he might have information on who you're looking for. Fair enough. Then I suppose we head that way. Yeah. So you head towards a Hagos's office. And the last time you were here in the office, you didn't have the most warm, friendly encounter with Hagos. In fact, you, openly told him that you were refusing to do the job that he hires you for and there was a bit of a standoff. So it's kind of surprising he might invite you back. But when you show up to the office and slide the door open, you see something you were not expecting and that is Reficule already seated in the office. He looks back over his shoulder as you come in. And Hago's. Ah, I'm just seeing you here. Yeah, beckons you. Hello there, Tusks. 
keeping busy? Always. And just kind of like you a, here. a very curt nod and then just like go to where Hagos is. Mm-hmm. There's like, Hagos is on one side of the desk and there's like two chairs opposite him and Ruffy cools in one. And you can either mm. stand or sit in the other as your choice. I suppose we sit. Okay. So you, you sit and, you know, sitting your head still towers well over like Ruffy Kuehl. You see... Hagos is sort of nursing this hand. He's got this bandaged hand wrapped around, and you can just see, like, red, deep crimson blood pooling in the sort of bandages as he holds it. And he's, like, babying that one hand with the knife through it. And he sort of explains the situation that somebody showed up looking for you, and he refused to sell you out, getting this in the process. So, instead... Well, listen. Do I believe him? Uh, do you believe him? Make a sense motive check. Perception. I guess I can cut over to the, uh, the dice room. That should be a 23. Okay. You have no reason to doubt that he's telling you the truth. So, I would not sell you out. But hey, he insisted he wanted to meet you, Stu. So I'm passing along his contact information directly. So there's no funny business, right? He doesn't know who you are, but he wants you to know who he is. He says... Surprise me, Hagos. Yeah. Do I? I do, and I take what you thought was a cigarette with a lollipop. (laughs) (laughs) You do. You have more of a backbone than I thought you did. But you don't think there's any honor amongst thieves? I told you. I'm your protections. I'm the layer between you and them, so they don't get to use. That's my job. That's why I take my cut. Regardless of however it shakes out, thank you. You definitely could have had that go the other way for me. Sirk just smiles, nods, and I assume the, the contact info is on some kind of, like, paper I can take? Yeah, he slides over, like, an apartment number in a, a sort of apartment building, and he says, he says... Meets him, meets him tonight. He says, you'll know what it's about. Just in it, I needed to mention his name. Gimthrak. Fuck. Thank you. And you are coming with me as well, Reficule. Reficule takes a pause and looks towards Hagos for a moment, then looks towards Saruk. I think I will be doing that, Tusks. This one comes back alive. You can take whatever you want on him. I need him. We're clear? You got it, boss. Don't call me boss. Sure thing, boss. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Should like we a deep go breath. get the others? <laughs> I, I think it's best that we don't involve Anita in this, if possible. Is she if you okay? want to get whiskers, <laughs> that's fine, but... uh. I'd rather not have Anita involved in all this. I didn't mean to make the is she okay joke and then I realized I did. did. I thought you did. It's just so natural at this point. <laughs> so there's yeah. that there's that moment as you guys discuss. You you know you decide not to involve them and we cut we smash cut from that scene to another scene and it, we're back with Anita. You're working in your laboratory again. And there is sort of another knock, and it's been some time, right? You're wearing different clothing. It's clearly not the same day. Four security officers show up with a man who's the dean of your department. 
you know him. It's like an elven man. You know him. His name is Olos Kuvri. All of them show up outside your laboratory. The four security officers. He smiles, and you see this like polite, weak smile. He's like, uh, "Anita, could you come with me for a moment?" I look at the security personnel for a moment. Are they aggressive? They are looking very tense right now. Yeah, they are like all four of them ready for you to make any sort of move so that they could just have an excuse. I straighten myself up and say, Mr. Kuvri, yes, of course. So he like, you know, he motions you and he just says, leave the robot, please. Like Wybert's over there in the corner. So where are we going? Just, just to my office down the hall. We have some matters to discuss. If you don't mind, and I know how important it is for you to have your students be comfortable in your school, but if we can, if we could have this conversation right over here the hallway with my dorm right behind me or my office behind me, I would really greatly appreciate that. He looks, and you see him like look at the kind of guards around him, and you can just see on his eyes, right... He's choosing his words carefully. And you've had a pretty close relationship with him, at least. He's always been very interested in your work, very respectful. And he thinks for a moment. He says, I suppose we could do that. Uh, you four, just just stay here. We're just going to step into the hall and have a quick conversation. And uh, he agrees. Yeah, he won't take you all the way to his office. He'll let you stay right outside. Is everything okay? Um, and you, you saw him, right? He told the four of them to stay in. What ends up happening is three stay inside, and one of the guards still comes outside and just stays within earshot of you two. And uh, he's like looking back, and he you see him like kind of rubbing his hands in his hair. And he's like, "Actually, no, everything's not okay." And we have a smash cut in that moment to Halbrant. So, Halbrant, we see it's nighttime, full moon coming through the smoky sky. You're sitting in the warehouse, chatting with your old friend, Dag Sternmore. Mm-hmm. As you kind of, like, wander, a bit of an oddity, this warehouse actually seems to be for a familiar name. This is a warehouse that belongs to the Ruby Works Firework Factory. So, uh, Dag, I mean, do you, uh, is this a regular job for you, or... Do you uh, just come upon it now that you're in your retirement? Or did you have any previous uh, relations with the uh, owners of the place? Uh, actually, uh, I got this job through Angelique. Oh. You, you've, yeah, you've you met her. I, I mean, I, yeah. are you friends with her? Because I didn't really know her very well. Just, you know, I knew of her. We've done some business. Uh, Lyrian, he introduced not only me to you but me to Miss Loveless so we've done done some work and I've, I've been more than happy to take some of her coin for some of the things that I procured out there on the outskirts of the city the shame what happened to Lyrian they never they never did catch well from what I understand they, they shot the killer dead right then and there but you know they never did find that body yeah. I have a feeling it's not quite closed, and I'm going to find out. You know me. 
anyways, that's, you know, it's a little right. bit. Anyways, that. Angelique, you know, she, she felt bad for my situation, you know, like I can't shoot a gun as well, but I'm still, you know, still need to make some cash and still need to give an old soul something to do, right? Not just sitting around and watching the, the ladies dance and taking more of my money, right? I know you can never sit around and do nothing. I mean, I'm sure you have a great pension. Uh, you know, your your savings is probably gonna, you know, outlast your black lung. Anyways, yeah, I know. Black lung. You're uh, you never want to sit around and not do nothing. Right. Let's just. It's about time for our patrol. You take that half, and I'll take this half. We'll meet back here and catch up all right and you know you kind of start heading away and you're going through this like where it's it's dark the the moonlight's sort of coming through the windows there's crates and stuff piled everywhere but you actually as you are like kind of making your way down here you hear a noise that kind of sends a chill up your spine for just a moment it sounds like wood hitting the floor like someone has maybe pried open a crate and the lid has like kind of clambered to the floor somewhere not too far away from you. I'm going to reach into my blanket and pull out my coat pistol. Well, I guess I'm a blanket pistol now. And uh, slowly start creeping through the uh, warehouse towards the noise. All right. So you see Hal Brent like creeping sideways towards the noise. And we cut from there to a sort of street scene. We see Reficule and Saruk both making their way through the smog-choked sm uh, smog streets of Smokeside, and it feels like the smog is extra thick today. It's, like, lower. Visibility is, like, terrible. Most people in the city are walking around with, like, bandanas or other sort of filtration devices over their ma their mouth to sort of help, help them breathe. And um, we, we kind of come in on that conversation that we sort of ended with, with you guys both going towards... Uh, Gimthrax address. So you are entitled to information. Do you want the short version or the long version? We're, you know, each of us have a responsibility to our community. So, um, but, uh, I'll take the short version. I mean, to be quite honest, I get a little bit bored with long stories. I understand. The short version is that Gimthrax is my former partner. He participated in there's just kind of like a slow inhale, exhale. <sighs> Summoning demons in my home city. I was framed for it. The unfortunate part about framing someone in a city where there are more divine casters than there are begins waving generally at the smog is that under a zone of truth, it is very easy to uh, come up not guilty, shall we say. Must be nice. Yeah. You said you could smell the law a mile off. You're about half right. I carry the badge, but I resigned afterwards. I needed the freedom to come to Alkenstar and bring him back. So that's why you're here in Alkenstar after this grim fact, then? Right. Assuming that things don't go sideways, he will either return with me back to... I suppose I've never said... Uh, my home city is Matakali... It's on the other side of the continent, the very far western edge of the Mwanki Expanse. He will return there to face judgment, or I will 
And if I can get his tusks, that will serve as proof of justice served. From there, hopefully I can get my job back. If not, who knows. I'm sure Majagua will protect. And it's around this time that it like becomes plain to notice that in the intervening space, uh, Saruk has bought a shield. The, like... The majority of the thing is painted a very, like, bright emerald green. The the center, like, where the boss would be, though there isn't one, a, like, open, roaring mouth of a jaguar, with the boss would sit, like, dead in the middle of where the, the open roar is. But we're not worried about that today. When we get there, don't let him speak. We open the door, and then we go to work. You took the words right out of my mouth, Tusks. <laughs> very well and it, it kind of like they disappear into like the, the haze of the, the smog and when it like kind of crystallizes back we're back in the hallway outside of Anita's office and you can see him uh, He, as he speaks you see his face you can read his facial expression you can tell that you know what he's saying is bullshit and you know that or you know that he knows that you know what he's saying in bullshit. But he still says he knows that you know that he knows that you know. (laughs) He's like, I'm I'm really sorry, Anita, but there's been some allegations against you Mm -hmm. that they've been investigated and turns out they've all come back as being authentic. Your research here is actually stolen. You've, You've plagiarized your work from somebody else. From who? It's not important who, but what is important is that in addition to this, this is, you know, maybe I could, maybe I could try to smooth things over, but eyewitnesses have placed you at the scene of a double murder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that response. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I know there's no way that any, he like stops. He looks at the guard who's like staring daggers at him. He's like, eyewitnesses. These are both very serious crimes and we here at the Blythe College take them very seriously. I'm really sorry, Anita, but as of this morning you are expelled expelled from the Blythe College. Kuvri, you know that was bullshit, whatever eyewitnesses. Besides, it's those are allegations. Oh You're we've... kicking me out for allegations? He looks over your shoulder. At, what happened to it's not just trials? allegations? It's 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 settled. It's it's done. I'm sorry. It's settled. Where was I doing? Oh, all and by the, the way, you still owe your twenty thousand gold tuition fee. You know we're not going to be able to defer that loan any longer, so it will start accruing interest immediately. And um, all of your Where work that you've done from? so far is now claimed and belongs to Blythier Academy. No. Huh. I don't think that was part of the contract, Kuvri. You realize now that, like, the the sort of guards that have been standing guard have, like, now come out into the hallway. And you turn and look, and they are, like, come up and, like, grab you by your arm. And he's got this, hey. like, super apologetic look on his face. And he, like, kind of mouths the words, like, sorry. Are you but, really sorry? You fucking coward. And he, like, he's, like... He, he turns so he can't even look at you and he's like take her away and the four guards sort of drag you out of the college and you look back at your office Wybert is still sealed up 
and you are taken away and separated from your prime invention, Wybert itself, as they drag you in. Wybert! I scream. Yeah. And Wybert is gonna, like, just dash whatever. (laughs) Nope. He does not. You're too far away, the sound does not work, and they drag you off the campus. You are separated from Wybert. And we cut from there to Albrecht! Albrecht's creeping towards that, that sound. However, we see now you pop around the corner. It's just an oversized rat that's made its way into a box. Lifted the lid, and you see him chewing on something inside the crate. And you're, that sort of intense moment of like panic passes. The cold mm. adrenaline hits your skin, and you can you know you put your sort of weapon away, and, and you can kind of come forward. Yeah, no, not no, still those things are they carry some damn diseases. They're not as clean as them lizards out there. So don't go biting that on that thing. You don't you don't want that. Yeah, oh, so you, you, yeah, you, you, you shoo it away, right? And you see, um, you, you don't want to touch it, right? Because like, you're afraid of the disease, but you sort of like scare it away. And, <laughs> God, a rodent of unusual size. Uh, and we see in the box, it's been chewing on something. And you can see a layer of fireworks, right? Like this rat had been chewing a firework. Luckily, it didn't explode. But for just a moment, as you peek in the corner, you can see there's just a thin layer of fireworks and a small divider that's kind of printed to look like more fireworks, giving it like a false bottom. What the hell is this? Better put out my cigarette. All right. <laughs> Go down there and start looking. Yep. So you, you sort of lift it up and like the fireworks tumble to the size and you see this crate. It's got to be at least three feet deep and, you know, three, four feet wide. You realize now the whole bottom half of this crate is filled to the brim with what looks like black powder ammunition. Clearly, without a doubt, smuggled here in this sort of warehouse. Wonder if Dag's part of this. I mean, he can't shoot, but he can walk around with the billy club. He didn't need to retire. Um, I'm going to see if there's any more around or if there's any other crates that have the same barren markings. Yep. So we kind of watch as you move to the other crate and start going through it. And we cut from there over back to Reficule and Saruk. So we follow these two. They're walking down the hallway. The address of the apartment you guys have been sent to, very clearly the right place. We're up. We're basically, you know, three, four stories up on like this. It's a pretty tall tower, but you guys are only three, four stories up. You're moving down towards this room at the end of the hall. We see out the window the smog, the moon behind it, it's clearly, it's like a half moon, it's clearly later that same day, a door, the ultimate adventurer's enemy, stands at the end of the hallway. What is your guys' approach for this? Like, just generally. So, as we approach Saruk, uh, under his breath in Orkish, Mother Majuakoa, give us luck storming the apartment. And then I don't believe in luck, and for the first, like, usually the one time that you worked with Refi Saruk, you've seen, like, he's just kind of been cavalier this time. I'll take out my pistol and actually just kind of I'll break the action, make sure it's loaded, put the barrel back, half, make sure it's half cocked, and then put it back, and then jack it back. Much more at the ready than you've ever seen him. 
I didn't know you spoke orcish. I suppose uh, multi pistol is out. In there. <laughs> Fair enough. Multi pistol comes out in the. Sort of things. Mm. We'll talk about that later. Mace comes out in the uh, ranged mode. I would like to have my shield raised sure. if I can, and I guess just I'm gonna try to break down the door by shield bashing it, and just we're gonna go ham. So the camera cuts right. We're inside the office, looking towards the door, and there's this moment of like, bam! You give it a nice hard thwack. The door flies open, almost like breaks off its hinges as it crashes in, and we see Saruk standing there, shield and mace weapon at the ready, uh, Refikul in the hallway behind them. And there's a quick cut from your guys' perspective. You see, in the middle of this room, there's a single lantern on a desk, flickering in the middle of the room, putting shadows sort of around. An orcish body sits facing away from you in the chair with a large cowboy-style hat on top of its head. But there's no reaction to you guys kicking in the door. It's just sitting there waiting for you. Well, first things first, because this definitely isn't sus at all. I would like to make a quick perception check to just quickly scan the body, make sure they, they seem to actually be dead, scan the room, Yep. things of that nature. Make from sure this angle, it's going to be hard to see, right, because you're looking from the back, and you can only see from the top of the chair to, like, the, the back of the neck is the only part that's visible. But go ahead and make a perception check just to see if you can sense something is off here, seek something that's out. Good. I'm guessing I'm uh, pursuing a lead here. So you are a hundred percent pursuing a lead. Man, I'm so good at Pathfinder. <laughs> nice. So that's a total of twenty-four. So as you're looking through here, as you're pursuing this lead, even given the little bit of skin that's visible, you know this is not Gimthrak. This is missing the trademark tattoos that would be running up at least half of his neck. And this body is... The, the pale color of it gives off the sense that this orc might have been dead for a few hours. Gotcha. I'm going to scan the rest of the room to see if uh, there's anyone. Sure. Maybe. If I see like a, a peak of an elbow around the corner yeah. or something. You're looking for someone, anyone, right? You're just scanning. Give me that perception. I mean, the person I was going to shoot is already dead, so I need someone to shoot. <laughs> Saruk's right there. That's a natural 20 for 26. Oh, that's a natural nice. 20. Woo! Chris in, chat. Chris in chat. Yeah, Chris in chat. You give the... You scan the room. You look for every corner. Anything, any sort of movement. There's one part where it looks like there's like the arm jacket or somebody that's hiding behind a bookshelf. But you immediately scope it out and realize, no, it's just a literal jacket hanging on the wall. Meant to look like someone just to put some fear into you. You two are alone in this place. Um, I think, and also with that natural 20, the thing that you catch the most as you just are scanning the room is there appears to be some carved... There's a desk in front of this guy. You can't see all of it, but from your angle, you can see the last few letters of something carved into the top of the desk from here. And it's just, you see the letters are okay on the far right of the desk. This is all you can see from here. Well, this is obviously a setup. Right. I quickly, like, step back, look down, like, the hallway in both directions, presumably. Right. Yeah, you look down the hallway, you step out, you look both ways. Uh, there is not a single soul here, but you're sort of... 
spider sense is tingling. It's all it's a little quiet. It's a little too quiet. Pistol twirls. I decock the hammer on the pistol, mm-hmm. twirl it back into the holster. I don't think there's anyone else here. But uh there's something something scratched onto that desk. Maybe you can make more sense out of it than me. Yeah. Really quickly. I'll go in, take a look. Alright. And then we're out of here. You start creeping forward, um, and you can see you're, you're taller, so you can actually see over this body a little easier without even crossing it. Make a perception check for me to see what you can notice. I mean, obviously, they're scratching on the walls there, but I want to see what else you might notice on this body as you're what seeking out you anything that might be. Okay. Come up 18. and see. Um, as you kind of approach from like the left side, and you see carved into the desk a single orcish word it's Uldrock. U-L apostrophe D-R-O-K, which in your, like, sort of native tongue is what is your word for demon. Just scratch into the surface of the desk across. And with an 18, and you're coming from the left side, you can see some blood kind of right under the left eye. Like, you can't see the eye because you're still behind, but coming down the side of the face, trickle of blood down the left eye. Like actively coming down him, it's it's dried. It's not actively bleeding right now, but it, it has dr- bled down and then crust dried right there on his cheek. Okay, do I know this person? Yes, you, you can't tell from the back, right? I figured I would. At this point, I would have. We would have walked over, right? Okay, and if you want to kind of walk a little closer and get a closer look from the. So, front. All right. So where's the desk? I thought the desk was past the body. So yeah, so so you are looking past the body. The only reason you saw anything at all is because you rolled a natural 20, right? But you, okay. the body is like in a big chair, and it's a pretty sizable orc. It's blocking most of the view with his back to you, uh, and the desk is in front of him. So the orc's between you and the desk, and you saw a bit of the carving on the right-hand side of the desk because you were looking from the right-hand side of the body, and you saw the, the letters ROK on that right side of the desk, carved in as if with a dagger across the desk. Um, but you can't see the face without getting closer. Oh, damn you, Steve. Okay. <laughs> Reficule will go over. Richard really doesn't want to. Yeah, good players take the bait, but god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to go now. Not just the bait, but damn you, Steve. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know, I have a feeling what's going on. Alright, Ref- you know what? No, no. <clears throat> save it for the game, save it for the game. Alright, Reficule <laughs> will walk over and see who this orc might be. Alright, so Saruk is still kind of cautiously approaching from the back, but Reficule kind of throws caution and sort of goes around to get a better look from the front. From the front, what you see, Reficule, is the left eye has been cut out completely and just removed. There's just an empty socket where that left eye should be. And there's like sort of a trail of blood coming down from it. Um, Sort of continuing that natural 20 you had earlier, there's very hard to see, but under the cowboy hat, there's two trickles of blood sort of just coming down a little bit on each side. And as you see the whole word now, you see the word carved into the desk, Uldrock. And you're like adrenaline's rushing your trying to see if you know this person. Do you recognize this orc? You do not. 
we have overstayed our welcome. We should go now. Mm -hmm. Damn you, Steve. Okay. You got me. You got me. All right. <sighs> that, that was the player. That was me, the player, to Steve. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to knock knock off the hat real quick. Okay, yeah. So you, you reach up. Saruk, you know, says it's time to leave. You, you knock off the hat. As the hat falls back, you see in the head of the body two sort of pieces of iron sort of dug into the head to make it look like there's two horns coming off this thing. This thing doesn't have horns, but these two bits of iron are just stuck here with the blood trickling below. And you see, too, now that you're closer, the subtleness of a bit of metal teeth jutting out from the tusks on the bottom of the mouth. All right, let's go. As you say that, Saruk is through the door. Yep. And so Saruk's towards the door, and then um, we have um, Reficule has been like dilly dallying enough looking at this, starts going. In that moment, as Reficule goes, and Saruk's already pretty much out the door, there's a huge bright light that floods in from the window towards the sky on the outside. It flash floods in, blinds the viewer like the white light hurts your eyes, and we cut away to Anita. Anita! We can see. We definitely know Annie's okay. Annie's doing way better than we are. By now, right? The guards have been gone. We cut. It's night. Later that same day, you're wearing the same clothes as you were earlier. But we see Anita sneaking back onto campus, using the contacts you've made with your friends, the secret passages, the ways to avoid security, everything you know that you've learned with all the time you've put into this campus. You are able, we, we pick up you back in that same hallway, sneaking back towards your laboratory. What do, What is, like, Anita doing in this moment? You've just been expelled, and they've taken Wybert. Like, what, is, what are we seeing on her face? Anita would definitely be in shock, but she knows very well that there, at the moment there's no time for her to be shocked. Uh, so she's just focused on making sure that she gets... Wybert back. Um, she'll deal with Kubrick later. There's this fleeting thought of like, fuck, I still have that fucking date with fucking Ambrose that I have to fucking go to, but I don't really want to go to. But he's going to give me a carriage. So, and then like while, while trying to look for Wybert. Also, before sneaking in, she would have put on her um, blast boots. Okay blast boots and then like she has her uh what do you call that sorry her bandolier over her chest and stuff she's okay. hope she hopes that nothing that she doesn't need to use them but she's prepared in case yeah and the thing is like most of your work most of your active things that you've been working on and a lot of the stuff you've built is all like in that office you do have a few knickknacks you have like some of your rocket boots you have a couple of, of things maybe you've made that you kept at home but the bulk of your research the bulk of everything you've made not just yeah. wiber but like a lot of My stuff you've book. been working on are all in that office and you, you know, that's like your life. That's your well-being, right? It's your everything. Yeah. There's definitely desperation in her. Mm -hmm. And you make it up to that door and right before you go to open the door, you can hear voices inside. There's no guards out here, but you can hear banging noises, like something actively being hit metal on metal along with raised voices coming from inside two voices hard to make out what they're saying through the metal door 
but they are like talking back and forth to each other. And they're inside your laboratory. And I can't understand what they're saying. You kind of put your ear and you give a you can give me an active uh, like sort of listen perception check to see what you can hear through the muffled door. The doors here are sealed because there's so many accidents and p- people will blow up their labs mm-hmm. all the time. They fireproof like all the doors. And with an That's eight, it's hard to make out what they're saying. I walk into my own office. All right. You kind of like slide the door over. And you know how to like do it stealthily, right? It, it's got like sort of power to it, but you're able to bypass the automated thing and sort of de- decommission the power and just allow you to slide it in so it's not quite as loud, right? Because, you know, you spent some time here. And there's enough noise coming in that in the moment you see two figures whose backs are to you. You don't actually seem to have been noticed quite yet. But there's two people and they're standing right over Wybert. One of them has like a giant oversized wrench and they are just like hitting Wybert as hard as they can. Um, And the other one is like, no, no, you gotta, there's gotta be a seam right here. And like, they've got like a sort of like dagger and they're trying to pry panels off the side of Wybert. Neither one of them has noticed you, but they are sort of trying to get inside Wybert and your eyes go around the room and you can see your workshop like some of the stuff you've been working on, bottles of like lightning in a bottle, alchemist fire, blight blondes, all these things that you've built recipes for, the formulas, the actual finished products that you've successfully completed are all on these shelves around the room. And there's like this sort of table between you and them with all of your junk right in the middle of the room. Cause yeah, Anita, Kieran, Ulysses Mendoza is not the most organized person. No. Smart, not necessarily organized, right? But you see all of that around and the two people trying to get inside Wybert. What would you like to do? I get out of... I get out of being stealthy. Wait, before I do this, can I, like, try and see if I could still command Wybert? Sure. So I think most of your commands are sort of like this, like, thing. If if you you can, but then that would definitely, like, sort of of, uh, give away the game, so to speak, right? Like, they will know you're there, but you could. Is he powered up or... Is he off? Completely? It looks like he's in standby mode. He only responds to your commands. He only works for you. Other people can't control him. So when you're not around, he sort of just does the last thing which he was kind of commanded. So he's just standing where you left him earlier in the day. You're pretty sure he's in standby waiting command mode. Yeah. All right. So first thing I want to do is grab grab like a lightning in a bottle and a blight bomb. If I can. Oh, you can. It's just they're far away. You have to sneak into your office without notice. So if you want to go over there to try to get a hold of those, absolutely. Give me a stealth check. There is enough. They're distracted. There's a diversion. You've got this table of junk between you. You have ways to sneak with cover across the room um, because their attention is elsewhere. It's the only reason you really have a chance at this right now. Mary Chrysler. It's a 19. So with that first sneak, you're able to go in the door halfway across the office and kind of put yourself behind the pile of rubbish getting you halfway to your goal of getting to like the other end of the room where your alchemist fire and all of that stuff is. All right. Um, I'll grab my bow too. You want to press your luck and continue to the next sneak action? Yes. To my bow next. To your what? Bow. My bow. Oh, like your actual bow and arrow and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there's a shelf over here with your, alchemist stuff and there's a shelf not too far from it on the other end of the room that has like your weapon and stuff so you can make your way to the bow 
Okay. Give me another stealth check. Mary, Mary Chrysler. It's a 15. And you get your, your bow. Is it a bow and arrow or a crossbow? What does it use? Uh, it's a short... I, I changed it like a couple weeks back. Okay. So, yeah. Whatever... Whatever it is, like your bow, you get it, and in that moment, you get it, you spin around, now they've noticed you. One of them, like, kind of points up and, like, points the wrench in your direction and says, Hey, it's that Anita gal Gimthrak told us about. Gimthrak. And the other and the other guy with the dagger that was trying to pry up on Wybert kind of smiles and says, Well, he did say no witnesses. And we cut from there back to Saruk and Reficule. So... There's a shield marshal vehicle, right? Eyes, like lights bright, like, uh, yeah, Reficule, you're blinded. You can see the silhouette of an elvish woman. The light makes it hard to see, um, but her voice is magnified, carried by some sort of, like, equipment that booms into where you guys are. And it says, put your arms in the air by authority of the shield marshal, Angelique Loveless. And... You, you hear this, like, elven voice booming. So Rook's already, like, in the hallway, sort of, to safety, but Refugee, you're kind of left here. There's You're looking right, back towards the Shields Marshals outside. The door's not too far. If you make a break for it, you might be able to get to safety. What would you like to do? I'm fucking running. Okay, so you turn and you run, right? As soon as he clears the door, I want to close the door, like, yeah. behind him. So as he goes, and you're going to close... The door's, like, half broken off the hinges from earlier, but you can start to get into place. Uh, you start running. Uh, Angelique actually lets a, f uh, a shot fire, and it just barely catches the corner of the wall, and the edge of the, the sort of stonework explodes outward, and, like, you sort of get hit with shrapnel a bit from the explosion, uh, Ruffy, but you don't take any damage, and you get through the door, and Saru slams it shut, and you guys are, like, sort of in the hallway. Where can we go? Fucking out of here, down. I'll follow you. Yep, so, so Ruffy leads the way, Saruk is following him, we, we rush out, um, and as you guys make Ruffy it out- stairs. The stairs? Are we- are we doing not- are we- are we- is this first floor? Or like, fourth floor. floor. Yeah, that's, we take that's the too much damage. For sure. We take the stairs. Down the stairs, you get outside. In the sky, you see sort of the spotlights looking around for you guys. There's enough back alleys in Refugee. You know a decent amount of this, right? So you are able to lead you and Saruk through the, the back alleys. They're tight, but you have no issues, like, keeping up. Until this weird sort of clockwork automaton creature shows up. It's sort of this weird sort of dog-like creature that it looks like it has a giant crossbow mounted on its back. And it sort of appears in the hall, in the middle of the way between both of you, causing you each to sort of duck down an opposite hallway or an alleyway to not have it see you. And then there's a moment where you guys are forced to split up. And the camera follows Saruk. So Saruk is left on his own, moving through these alleyways. Uh, and we see him running, breathing heavily, trying to get away. You can hear voices, someone searching for you. And then there's a click of like a hammer locking and loading. And we hear a shaky voice sort of speak up. Hands in the air! So I didn't get, I didn't want to interrupt the, uh, 
Ah, words are hard. The people who gave you lots of things on Twitch, I know how Twitch works, but in the, the interim running, I wanted to go back to Mace at Ranged and Shield. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You can be in whatever formation you want, right? Look, I don't know what you heard. I'm not responsible. Please. Yeah. You, let me go. You spin and look as you're talking, right? There's this, or you see an orcish woman, shield marshal. She's got her gun. It's like this long sort of musket rifle. It's trained right on you. You can see her shield marshal badge has this thin outline of blue just around it. The symbol of like a fresh rookie, somebody who still hasn't even completed her full training. This is probably one of her first nights out on the street. And she's, you can see it in her eyes. She's almost, she's actually way more nervous than you are in this situation. And she's got this gun pointed right at you. And she's like, drop their weapon. I don't, look, there was a murder. If you go back where, where you found me, we aren't responsible. I'm trying to presumably find the person who did. I cannot. And I'm just going to start backing up with my shield over my vitals. Uh Uh-huh. She please uh, don't shoot. She steps forward towards you. Like she keeps she matches your pace and she's like, "Then if you didn't do it, just come with me. We'll get it all cleared up." Will we? There's like that tense sort of moment between you two as she you can just see the sweat beating down her brow and you see her trigger finger like half pulling the trigger. Fine. Now put my mace up and shield on my uh, shield, probably still on my arm. Okay. But down. Yep. And you sort of ease the situation, and you can see the look of relief on her face. So from there, we cut away to Halbrent. Halbrent, mm-hmm. as you move back to look for your friend to see if you can find out more about this mystery. Oh, by the way, you, we see in the background there is like a whole section of crates, at least eight crates filled with these black powder bullets. And, uh, you know, you've got one of them that you took as like, as like, uh, I don't know, evidence or something that you just like expected there. It's a little lighter than you might expect. Something weird was off with it, but you move back looking for dag and you hear a commotion come from across the warehouse, a loud noise. And you hear dag yell, what? Wait, what is this? Followed by the sound of two thuds. The sound of him being hit and the sound of him hitting the floor. A voice fills the air and you hear it across the warehouse. There should be another around here. Find him and bring him to me. That wasn't quite right, but close enough. And then loudly, as if speaking directly to you, we know you are here. Smuggling is a serious crime in the city. Turn yourself in. Or face my justice. And you know this voice. Mm-hmm. This is Angelique. Hal says, Coming out. Don't do anything to the pup. Sill. Stay right there. And he'll <laughs> walk out with his Hands to his side, his cigar in his mouth, the one thing he goes to when he's stressed. 
This isn't uh, this isn't what you think. You, you know me, look, Angelique. I mean, we've worked together for years now. You know, Dag just retired. I mean, you know, I'm looking for whoever took care of Lyrian. Miles. What is this all about? And the body language tells you all you need to know. Her relaxed, her smirk. A side of her you've never seen directed at you, but you've seen plenty directed towards the people that she busts and the criminals that she gives her own personal form of justice on. And she smiles. She says, she gets on her walkie-talkie and she goes, we have them both. They were found dead. And she raises one hand and the clockwork behind her just takes its gun mounted on its head, points it at Dag's head, and there's a loud explosion. And right where Dag's head was, there is no more head. And he just topples over. And she just kind of looks in your direction. What's that? (laughs) I would do something like that. (laughs) Yeah, how dare? She like, she points at you and she says, I love you. Oh, I guess she says, why would you do such a thing? Why would you kill your friend? And uh, she smiles and like all these like sort of clockwork machines start running in your direction, Hal. And Hal's going to look uh, down to the Sills on the ground going, like barking up a storm, right? He's going to say, look down towards the, the pup and say, Sill, go find Greeny. And he's going to put his hands in the air and let them take him under arrest. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't expect Hal to go uh, so quietly. That's impressive. So Hal, Hal gives himself up, and uh, we kind of the last thing we see with Hal is sort of being slapped into handcuffs by the clockwork sort of assistants. And uh, yeah, we cut back from there towards Reficule. So as the clockwork creature showed up, Reficule, you and Saruk got split. And we go back to that moment where you guys get split up and the, the clockwork dog comes between and Saruk has to go one way and you go the other. This time the camera follows Reficule. Reficule is making his way through the streets. You know these corners a little bit better than Saruk. You know the most likely paces for the shield marshals to be looking for you. Eventually you get almost to where your freedom is, but you hear something. You hear Saruk's voice. Slowly, stealthily, you follow up from a side road, kind of hiding behind some barrels and crates. You can hear Saruk, but you can't see him. Your eyes are trained on this orcish woman, a shield marshal. Hands, voice shaking, hand holding the gun, pointed in where you can hear Saruk's voice. And you hear her tell Saruk to give himself up. And you hear Saruk's protests. And he does. And you're standing here. What would you like to do? How far away is she from me? Um, From where you're hiding... Let's see. She looks like she's probably about 30 feet from you. Alright. Quietly draw my pistol. Pull back the hammer. Can I see Refi where Refi is? The way it's working, you're at like this T intersection. So you're here and she's talking to you. So you can't see Refi. Refi can't see you. And she's sort of at the middle of this T intersection where you can both see her. Gotcha. And as soon as she starts moving 
her hands away from the gun towards the shackles that she's going to put on tusks. Uh-huh. I fire. Okay. Well, when you go to fire, instead of firing, this is where we're going to roll initiative. Fire for initiative. Right? So. my God. I built a whole battle scene for you, Hal, but you've given yourself up because you went willing. I didn't know who was going to do what. I didn't know who's going to give themselves up, who's not. So in this case, since you've given yourself up, you are not sort of uh, in this battle unless you would like to make a break and like have a change of heart and make a break for it. On second thought, maybe I would like to do some fighting. No, I think Hal is relatively straight-laced. Um, he's, he's a little bit gruff, but he's not... Uh, He's not Reficule, but he's he's probably leans closer to Saruk. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get that. I just, you know, you have the option, so that's fine. Like, you nope. can get arrested. That, that's fine for the story. Make sure you guys are at full health and full resources, because so much time has passed since the last investigation. There shouldn't be any, any like, thing gone. So up here in the top, and I'll switch over to the battle map so people can see the awesomeness. Up here, we see um, Anita in the office. And Wybert's down in the corner, and the two people between you and Wybert. You're actually over here where your bow was, so you snuck to this side of the room. Can you see that? Everything's working on your side, right? You know? Okay. And then down yeah. here, we have the T-intersection where we see Saruk, about 60 feet or so away from the gun marshal. And around the corner where you guys can't see each other is Ruffycule, who has the drop on the shield marshal. And then down at the bottom, Hal, you're in the warehouse. You can... Take a look at it if you want to explore it, but there's not much for you in this. So, everyone who's in combat, let's go ahead and roll initiative. Alright. Uh, would I... I don't actually know if it... I'd probably be rolling stealth for initiative, wouldn't I? You 100% could be rolling stealth, yeah. If so, if it's... I'll leave your choice. Not that, I'm, not that I'm playing Mukta and it makes much of a difference, but... True, true, but in this case, it's definitely a stealth sort of thing. And I think for Saruk, perception makes sense because you could maybe sense something's about to happen that you don't want to happen. Um, and Anita would be perception along with everyone else. Along with uh, all the NPCs, at least. So this feels like a stretch, but I'll ask anyway. Is this pursuant to a lead? Question mark? I mean, sure, why not? I'll allow it. You're in, you're in the middle of following a lead. It happened because you were following a lead. So it seems to me to make sense that maybe... Maybe you would. Reficule rolled a 13 for our podcast listeners at home. And Saruk has a... Definitely a number. 21. Yep, so that's a 28 for the gun marshal. 15 for Anita. Yep, 13 for Anita. uh, 18 15. Why does it say 13? About this rookie everything she knows. Oh, wait, never mind. Yeah, 13. (laughs) 13. 15 for... Oh, you rolled twice for some reason. The first one was 15. The second one. Oh, you rolled stealth and then you rolled. No, yeah, that was stealth. Got it. Okay. Either way, you, you settle right, right between those two. So, begin combat. Boom. So, at the top, Ruffy, you come out with your gun drawn. The shield marshal getting a natural twenty for. It's a, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have gone out to hide. Uh, right. where I was hiding. Right. Way. But with her, with your stealth roll of of what, thirteen, and her perception roll of twenty eight, her like she notices you, right? Because. She, you're not hidden from her because you didn't beat her per, per, uh, sort of anything, right? So she's got the gun trained on Saruk, but then out of the corner of her eye where you're hiding, she finally notices you, 
and that like freaks her out and she just wildly spins her rifle in your direction you do have cover right you're behind these barrels it's helping you but she shoots at you and Saruk, you don't you didn't have any idea it was there all of a sudden she's aiming in that direction and shooting at someone else besides you so let me make sure she's loaded okay flintlock musket strike that hits yeah it's not it a hits. crit thankfully because of the cover and all that, it's not a crit, but it is a hit. So, she hits Reficule for six points of damage. And then, uh, with her second action, she's like, oh shit, she like reloads her rifle. And with her third action, she uh, immediately like strides over here and then hides kind of behind the barrel so she has a little bit of cover from you. She doesn't take cover, but she has the cover of the barrel there. And that's her turn. Uh, now it comes to Saruk, who had sort of de-escalated the situation, and all of a sudden, something's going on. And now something is going on. Uh, I think the, for the sake of best practices at the top of the round, we're gonna devise a stratagem. Oh, I saw it for a second, shaking. right? So 15 is what your strategy is gonna be. So I, I have no idea what's going on. A thing happened. I I think honestly, Saruk just turns and deasses the area that direction plus twenty five feet. Okay. Yeah, you can uh, basically book it. Her her, if she sees you like running. She's got her focus on someone else. Um, so you basically make it what twenty five feet plus twenty five more feet. So she, you're like. 50 feet down the, the hallway or, or the alleyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Saruk hightails it. Uh, that brings us back up to the other fight, which is with Anita. And so this commoner, the one with the wrench, uh, uses her first action to uh, stride towards you. Her second action to stride right next to you. And her third action to rack- whack you with her wrench. All right, wrench time. A 10. Misses. Don't think that hits. You move out of the way, she hits the desk, some of your cogs and debris like shatters, or like doesn't shatter, but spills off the table, but she misses you. Uh, And that brings us to your turn, Anita. (laughs) I'm gonna look at her and say, are you fucking serious? And I will slap her. With an unarmed strike? Yeah. Okay, make an unarmed strike. 14 a hit. 14 will hit. Sweet. Slap the shit out of her. Are you serious? Slap. Two. Okay. She takes two points of damage as you leave a red handprint on her face. All right. And then I would... Hope this works. I'm going to spend... Two actions okay. for Wybert. Wybert, wake up! Does he wake up? So behind this guy, who's his attention's on you, right? He's got the dagger. Wybert kind of like uncomes by standby mode and stands up, ready to go. Eyes like his giant eye in the middle, glowing as he stands to full attention. He works. You thought I was gonna leave you? All right. So he's gonna attack this whoever this is. With yeah. one of his... With his soul. Okay, saw attack. Let's hit a crit. All it's right. not a dog, but you know. 
Think of it as like a dog. <laughs> he's a dog, Wybert. He's Come a dog. Come on, He's a dog. That's an 18's a hit. hit. Alright. So hit that would be... 8 points of... Yeah, slash piercing. That saw blade, like, cuts in and, like, splays the guy across the back and, like, splits his back open. Uh, and he looks really freaking hurt from that one saw blade attack. Alright, and then he has... Because I spent two actions. And so he, he two has more two more. Yeah, so he's going to use... Uh, the next action to just walk away from this dude. Okay. So I'm gonna spend two, two to, to get, get to, the to door. here. Okay. Yeah, to get to the door. Because he Perfect. can't open it. Gotta wait for me. That's the That's end of my right. turn. Alright, that cuts us back to the duel in the alleyway with Refugee versus the Shield Marshal. Right. So, first turn, free action, I'll take a 10 foot step. That's right, it's your first turn. So you go to the... Yeah, she gets a drop on you, which you're not used to, but you do draw your weapon and take a ten-foot step for free. Mm hmm Okay. Uh... I will... Move here? Yep, and so at this point, too, you move into My the open... Saruk, you're down the... They're down the thing quite a bit, but you turn and look, and you see in that alleyway... You see Reficule kind of steps out of the alley and is now engaged in the gunfight with the Shield Marshal. At this point, you would definitely know that. Okay, that's your one action. You got two more actions. Second action. I'll shoot her. All right, make that shot. If you have a hero point in chat, you should definitely give it... Oh, yeah, that's... that's the I will be using a hero point that I have. Is it really a hero point if you're shooting a cop, but... Uh, it, it's still it's an anti-hero point for a roughy kill. Go ahead. That was a it. 14, so I'm going to use a hero point. Use that hero point. Roll again. Mary Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Hold on. I got to reload. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because if you right-click on it, can you just hit uh, re-roll and keep the new result? It might not make you do the actual shot again, but that's fine. Oh, all right. Um, re-roll right. and keep the new oh. There we go. Oops. That would be a 25. A 25 is not quite a crit, but it's close. Alright. Uh, so, that would be... 4 points of damage. Alright, you deal 4 points of damage to her. You kind of catch her uh, off her shoulder a bit. She takes a little bit of damage, but she looks pretty tough. Uh, for my second action, I will then use the re my reload. And I'm going to use Intimidation this time. Okay. I'm going to look her in the eye and say, You really want to die over this tonight? So I'll make an Intimidation check. Yeah, yeah, please make that Intimidation check. As part of my reload. That's an 18. 18 is a success. Not a critical success, but it is a success. So she becomes frightened then, one, right? Yeah. And then, for my third action, I go back behind a little bit of cover. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, that brings us back towards the scuffle with Anita. Uh, so, this one that got the saw blade across the back is like, ah, the robot's getting away. The robot, the robot's getting away. <laughs> He's just gonna hack at you if you follow him. So he spends, he has to spend two actions to chase after him. 
And with his third action, he basically takes his dagger and tries to damage Wybert. How dare you? Let's see. Wybert. How dare you? That's a 17, I which does it. hit. Mm -hmm. So he does indeed deal three points of damage to Wybert. Okay. But that's his whole turn. And we're at the top of the second round of initiative, which takes us to the Shield Marshal. I guess the Shield Marshal, she's already reloaded. So she takes aim at at Ruffy, who does have cover, but not like, you didn't take cover, so you just have standard cover. She targets you. She is frightened one, so she's already like shaking more than usual. But she takes her shot. Oh, I got hit the reload. I never reloaded last turn. She takes her shot. With all of that, it's a 25. You rolled 17s twice. Twice? By the way. That's your unlucky number. Right. Yeah, not I a crit, hits. but six points of damage. Mm -hmm. And then she turns over her shoulder and she sees um, Saruk sort of booking it, right? And you're 25 feet even more than you are right now. So you're like 95 feet away from her. And you're like, one more turn, you're going to turn a corner and be gone, right? So she uses an action she has, which is called Lawbringer. She denotes you, Saruk, as a foe that needs judgment doled out. And she gets a 10-foot circumstance bonus to speed when she's moving in your direction. What? And with the third action, she runs 35 feet towards you. And she's booking it your direction. She doesn't want to let you get away. And she kind of leaves Refi in the back of the alley. And that's her turn. Uh, she is no longer frightened at the end of her turn. But that brings us to... Saruk. Okie dokie. So then, top of the turn. Second verse, same as the, the... Every verse when I go to combat as an investigator. Oh boy! Natural oh 20 on the device strategy. Let's go. Are you going to kill her, though? So I realize. <laughs> no. <laughs> Are you kidding? God damn it, Peter. Are you going to kill her? The bloodlust has extended from the construct to their master. I, I guess, like, I see the, the baby shield marshal is going to catch up to me. Uh -huh. And so it's just like a interacts to draw the mace multi-pistol in its ranged mode and i fire from considerably farther away than it reads so 25 plus 35 yep, so 60 feet which is what's the range you have a 20 foot range increment yeah so with a with a minus four would that hit that turns into a 23 which is a hit which bumps it up to a crit because you roll the natural 20 so it still hits so I'm interested more. It's going to hit, right? That's an awesome roll. After 20. How are you doing this in a way to make it well, what I assume is non-lethal, right? With your feet? Uh, I think always, yeah. Uh, if I'm using my pistol or like in the stomach, the wound would cauterize pretty quickly. It'll hurt like a motherfucker. Okay. But she won't bleed out. Got it. And Go ahead and roll there. that crit damage. I think it's this one. Yeah. Okay, turning on Devisa Strat for all the damage Mary Chrysler <laughs> <laughs> low-ish rolls actually uh, I wanted to I knew I should have gone with a Honda it doesn't 
knock her out. It knocks her down to near death, but not quite enough to knock her out. So you, you shoot her, and, and maybe in trying to make sure you don't kill her, you pull back just enough to keep her on her feet. Surprising maybe even you. Please, I don't know what's going on on the other side, but I didn't do it. Let me go. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. And then I pass turn. Okay. You, you start a third action, right? Is What was your third action? Uh, one action to devise a strat, then one action to draw my weapon, because I had- Oh, it got it. Right you put it away. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That's right. Okay, cool. Uh, take a hero point for being honest on interact and drawing your weapon, because that's good. So she, you see her, she doubles over, she's got a gut bloodied, she's got a hand on herself. She's Things are looking rough for her. Uh, that brings us up to the person with the wrench. You've slapped her across the face. Uh, yes, Anita. I did. She takes the, the wrench and just tries to sweep you out. Like, she basically takes the wrench and tries to trip you with the wrench. The it's wrench a, has a trip trick? It's a giant, like, mechanics wrench. Oh. And she has oh, the okay. trip. A dire wrench. Right, it has the, the sweep, uh, the, the trip uh, ability. Uh, so she does do that. So that's going to be an athletics check. It's the weapon of a level one weapon inventor. <laughs> Uh, it's only a 10, so that's not going to hit anything. Uh, no, it doesn't hit your... So you, she tries to sweep you out from under your leg. You stand, like, you lean into it, you take it on, like, it hurts, it bruises the side of your leg, but you don't get knocked down. Um, and then, when that doesn't work, second action to just try to, you know, hit you with it. Uh, a 10 is going to miss. Misses. And the third action to, like... Step ten feet away so you can't slap her again. <laughs> All right, Anita. Come on, I just want to get my robot back. So what I would do, I'm going to. Sorry, give me a second. I guess use two actions to get all the way to this door. Attack of opportunity. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'll get. I'll use one action to move here. I can't okay. open the door from where I'm at. Can I open the door from where I'm at? I think you can. I think you can use an interact action to sort of slide it open from okay. there. Which is what I would love to do. Okay. So I'm going to use an action to open that. And then use one of my my last action to give Wybert two actions. Mm -hmm. And then I look at this weak-willed commoner. Uh -huh. And then I... <laughs> yeah. And then I think about it for a minute. And then I... Anita thinks to herself she doesn't want any more blood in Wybert's hands because he's already getting bad rep. So Wybert's gonna use two of his actions. Oh, not to close the door, but to get out. So sure, that yeah. would be 50 feet. Yep, so he runs out and down the hallway like <laughs> starts running Turn down the Turn left, Wybert! <laughs> you know where to go! What's the maximum That's range the that your invention can be from you? It doesn't say. Doesn't say. Yeah. Okay. Either way, it's an, I'm sure he gets away. And he's he's good. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Right here. Yeah. So that brings us back to the alley. Reficule, you've been shot. You're pretty sore, hiding behind this this barrel. You hear the shield marshal run towards Saruk, and you hear a shot ring out, and you hear Saruk telling her to stand down. What would you like to do? Damn bloody Tusk is going to get us all killed. And, uh... I will... How... 
Could I go over this barrel? It would be like it would be basically like sort of like a balance check to like hop over the barrel. You could do it, but it's gonna be a roll to see what happens. But if you step around the All barrel right. like that, that's no problem. That's fine. I'll use first action to go here. All right. You can see her. She's doubled over. She's holding her stomach is bloodied a lot. You see Saruk with the mace weapon down the the way. Second just, action. I, I look towards Refi oh, as yeah. he comes into eyes. I just don't. Please. I'll look towards the shield marshal. Anyway, you're letting us leave tonight. He's like sort of like spitting up a little blood. <laughs> the law's the law. The law means we end up dead, and I shoot. See if you hit. Nina gave Doc Nina gave Reficule a hero point, and. Richard RK Richard RPG gave Anita a hero point <laughs> in chat. That's metagaming. Using the Twitch <laughs> Thanks for the support, <laughs> cast. All right, make that Have shot. I've seen Abomination Bolts. I'm going to use that hero point. Okay, the no, shot misses. No fucking diet. <laughs> Are you using the hero point? Hold on. The anti-hero I point. To... I'm going to change some dice real quick. He didn't say Mary Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> BD gave hero point. What? All right, all right, all right. So all, right, all right, decent right. people out there want this shot to miss. All people that like drama in their story really want this shot to hit. God. <laughs> Let's see what the dice has to say. What if I'm both? Those awesome rollsmith <laughs> dice, by the way. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I know it's taken a bit, but I've. I've this is important. This is an important <laughs> roll. You need to channel some. I want you to channel some Mook to here and roll a natural one. Beat your request. No. Hotkeys for multiple <laughs> dice sets. All right. That's a 23. Yeah, the 23 yeah. is going to hit and it is going to deal damage. A crit, not a crit. Roll your damage. That's three points of damage. Well, she had one hit without point. Without a crit. So. Oh. You were one off on on lethal, on non lethally knock her down. So you take her, you take the gunsmith like she, oh, her her musket, her long flintlock musket clangs to the floor. She falls over. She's bleeding. Where, like where do you shoot her? Like how do you do this for uh, for Refugee? Refugee will make this as quick as painless and possible, just right in the head. Okay, you shoot her. She hit her in the head. She falls over. There's blood dripping out. But Saruk, you can see from where you are. She's dying, one, not dead at this point. That's... What is your major malfunction? She was new. She's not... <clears throat> Just go. Get the fuck out of my sight. And I'll start moving towards her to try to patch her up. Okay, yeah, so so Refco used to have one more action, or is that all three actions? That was three, but I'll say... Look, she might have been new, but her blood, that's on Loveless's hands. Is Understand it... something, Tusks. You end up in chains tonight, you end up dead. Remember that. And I go off the other way. And we fade from that scene back to the melee still going on in Anita's laboratory. The, you watch as the, the robots gotten down the hallway, like, why were it run? Like, you know, out the door. Uh, the weak-willed commoner, like, places himself, like, right in the middle of the door and says, Can't get far without this one controlling it. And he uses his dagger to try to stab you. 
Okay. Oh god, that was almost a natural 20 for a second. 13? Resist! Oh. Yep. And, um... Let's say with his, with his third and final action, he tries to grapple you. This has a minus... It's a minus 10 modifier. No, minus 5 modifier. So, minus 5. Let's see if they can grapple poor Anita. My reflex, right? It's actually a 14 because it didn't do the minus five correctly. I didn't add it right. So it's 14 against your reflex. Is that what 15. grapple's against? Let's ask the, the expert. Tommy, is grapple against reflex or fortitude? It's... God, I can never... My brain is... Okay, like, you can't remember either. CMT. Not just me. <laughs> it's... I play too many games. Uh, grapple, 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 grapple. How wild. I was already in the skills It's section. fortitude. So what's your has... fortitude? 17. No, misses. Misses because of the MAP. Alright, so you gets a hand on you and you wrestle free. Uh, okay, so Saruk. Oh, so actually, yeah, so I'm gonna move this person in initiative here because it was down by Rafikul. Uh, you look and you are, what, 60 feet away from her. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Do forgetting the mechanics of second edition's hero points, can you use them to get extra actions in this edition? Oh, I know you can in one. Unfortunately, you can't. Is it? It's literally just rerolls. It's just rerolls and or stabilizing and yourself. Stabilize. Mm, fair, got it. Well, I guess I'm gonna just put it back to where the person is. I'm sixty feet away. Then it would take me all three of them to get to there. Yep. So you run up and you're able to get to her and you see she can't speak, right? Because she's unconscious and she's got blood. You see the bullet has like hit the, the side of her head. She's got like part of her skull missing there, but she's not dead. She's just dying. Yay. Um, and that brings us back to the snobbish one who uh, steps here and is now flanking and making Anita flat-footed. And Tries to clock you with the wrench. That is indeed a natural 20. Oof. That hits. That is going to be a please nerve. Huh? Uh, so 10 points okay. of damage on Anita. Okay. Still up. Mm -hmm. Um, And second, or third and final action, uh, wrench attack again. Okay. That's a 19 to hit. It's a hit, that not hits. a crit. Four points right, to Anita. I'm, I'm still up. Still up. Yep. Um, okay, it's now it's now uh, the shield marshal's turn for the for the death save. So I'm just gonna roll a d20. Uh, Eleven is exactly what she needs to stabilize, or is it twelve? It's ten plus your dying value, or eleven plus your dying value. Anybody know? I think it's I think it's ten plus. Ten. Think 10. 10 plus your dying body. Yeah. yeah, so 11, so she makes one success. Okay. So that means Which she moves from dying... Success you need, 5 player. She moves from dying one to wounded one and unconscious, right? <clears throat> I got the rule right! Yeah! Freeze frame. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we all get up out of our seats and do You that, run like, back, and, jump. and against all odds, she's stabilized herself. But that brings us to Anita. Surrounded by these two people. Yeah, I can't get through this door because the He's, dude is right in front of me, right? 
So you can do what's called like a tumble through action. Which lets you move up your speed and try to Acrobatics. tumble through the enemy's ref like space. Okay. So acrobatics? If you'd like to tumble through him, you can make an acrobatics check, yes. I would like to attempt to tumble through him. Sure. Yep, there's there's multiple ways. If you tumble through, that's a check. If you physically push him back and then you open some space, that's another way. But there's different ways you can go okay. about it. You tell me how Anita wants to do it. I would like to tumble through. Well, that's a four on the dice for a total of nine. But I would like to use a hero point. You would like to use a hero point, the magic words. Roll that hero point. 19 acrobatics reflex that's enough you that's a success which allows you to move through the enemy space his space is difficult to rain but otherwise you can move out into the hallway come out in the hallway all uh -huh. right why won't it let oh. me move there you go so so you know we're through the hallway that's that's five ten that's 15 feet of your movement to get to there okay second action i close the door well you okay yeah so you turn around close the door on him yeah, my third action, I'll get close to Wybert. So I will say this is kind of the thing you can do, right? You disabled the door sneaking in, right, to, like, unpower it. If you'd like, you're looking at the control panel, you could probably use a crafting check to, like, lock it and, like, seal them in. Yes, please. I would love to do that. Let's try it. Make that crafting okay. check. Uh, let me see. DC by that's a 10, but I would like to use another hero point. The hero point given to you by Richard. Uh, okay. uh, DC by level level 1 DC. Yeah, this is a DC 15. Oh, that's a Happy natural holidays. one. <laughs> oh, God. So in your, in your trying to power it down and lock it with a natural one, you do it the opposite. Like the wires get crossed and it like sh shoots open and now it's like locked open and there's no way to force it closed. To what? Uh, to force it close? Okay. Yeah, so that was two actions. You still have one action, right? I still have tumble, one action. So tumble I... through and then crafting to close the door. I think that's all you no, need. Right? Um, no, I closed the door. As you closed it and then you're trying to lock it. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Ruffy, you're still standing over over the body. Saruk has run there, crashed down next to her. She's lying there dying, and you're just standing there. What do you do? First action, reload. Okay. Please do not make a stupid decision. Second action, walk over. Uh-huh. Don't make me do this. Look, you were the law. Right? Correct. Not anymore. Here, you're a criminal now. And people and criminals wanted by Shield Marshal Loveless. Don't end up in a cell. They don't get a trial. They end up dead. The line between criminal and on the wrong side of a powerful individual seems a, a very large chasm. What are you going to do with your gun? I'm going to stay alive. That's what I'm going to do. And I pick up, for my third action, I pick up the shield marshals. Okay. Flintlock rifle. So the, there's that moment and then you just like pick up the musket, the uh, flintlock rifle. Yeah, you can loot it off her body. I'm going to get the hell out of Dodge. I suggest you do the same. Yeah. So Ruffy sort of goes off and Saruk... Well, yeah, that's all my... Yeah, does Saruk sort of 
like this scene's kind of ended, right? It's Rook just gonna like leave the shield marcher here and go the opposite direction or go the same direction as Refugio? Like Refugio starts walking down the alley, right? What does Rook do? I think what I want to do is I wanna. Is there anywhere nearby that isn't strictly speaking a box barrel or cover source where I could feasibly hide and have eyes on the scene? There's a, there's a decent amount of cover, and especially, like, in these buildings, if you were to, like, get into one of these buildings and maybe get, like, a second story lookout, there is a lot of places where you could potentially pull off such a thing. Sounds good. So then, in that case, Saruk is going to basically just go somewhere where he can overwatch the scene and hide. This still very much smells like a setup. Mm-hmm. There seems to be more information to be had here. Once he's totally sure oh, yeah. the woman isn't going to beat out. Got it. All right, that brings us back to the last person that's still in combat and looking rough is Anita, who's near death with these commoners are right there. Uh, the door flies open as you're trying to like fiddle with it. You look up, he's got the dagger. Yeah, he stabs at you. A 12 is gonna miss. Yeah. Um, and then I think with his second action, he tries to do the athletics grab again. It's going to be at a minus five, which takes it down to a nine, which misses. And uh, he just wants to keep you from getting free. And, you know, with his third and final action, I guess, desperately tries to grab you again. This time it's a minus ten. Uh, that's a one. So he he stabs at you, he grabs at you, and you pull back. You fight him oh, off. this nerd. Um, and that brings us to her. She can't really get through you without tumbling through. So that's what she tries to do. She tries to tumble through. <laughs> uh, af- acrobatics check. What's your reflex DC? Wait, was it fortitude? Oh, she got it. Reflex, yeah. Uh, natural 20. Doesn't Heck. matter. <laughs> yeah. Tumbles through it you doesn't in- matter what her DC yeah, is. Tumbles through you into the hallway. Mm-hmm. gets in and like now you're like you know you're in trouble Wybert's still like running sort of down the hallway although you didn't commend him last turn uh, second action she hits you with the wrench here we go with the wrench again hit. 16 you're not flat footed but 16 is exactly what she needs to hit 6 points of damage I'm down so boom clocks Anita upside the head and Anita, mm-hmm. your eyes roll back as it fades to black for Anita in All the right. moment. And I don't know where everyone else is, but I really hope Annie is okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she doesn't run into any smooth criminals. No, they're just swinging wrenches. <laughs> <laughs> Not smooth at all. I'm trying to trip her. So, let's get to the resolution phase. So, it fades black and the camera in the movie just <laughs> goes completely dark. And then as there's, like, a little bit of, like, tweeting and, and noise and um, the shield marshals, like, show up. Like, we hear, like, the voices of some shield marshals. And we see Anita, like, opening her eyes. And you're on the floor in the sort of right outside your laboratory. The two people are gone. Wybert is still deactivated down the hall from you. And there's, like, the, sh- the shield marshals have showed up. And they're, like, standing over you. And you realize now you're in handcuffs and you've been mm-hmm. arrested. And Dean, right? Uh, he's here talking with the shield marshals. And he's, like, looking down at you and he's 
she's already wanted in some murders. Oh. She's already wanted in some murders back at some place called the Iron Bells. And, and now this. And her property, that automaton, it belongs to a patron of the college, Ambrose Mugland. He insists on its return. And you kind of struggle awake in this moment. And then the shield marshal just like nods. He's like, we're going to go ahead and put this into storage for the time being until there's been a proper trial. And like Anita uh, is kind of picked up. And the last thing we see of Anita, um, Anita is being walked down the hall in shackles with like Wybert kind of in a net, like scooped up and just being drugged unceremoniously by the shield marshals as you and Wybert are off to jail. Can I say something? You can. What's his name? Kuvri? Do you have uh, the Olos? right to remain silent? Yeah, Olos. Huh? Uh, it was like Olos Kuvri, yeah. All right, Kuvri. Tell Ambrose. <laughs> Why am I speaking like Revy? <laughs> <laughs> Tell Ambrose that if he wants to use Wybert, that he needs me. Unless I'm there with him, he's useless. He's nothing but a collection of nuts and bolts. I hope you reconsider that before throwing me to fucking jail. I'll relay the message. You better. And then, um, and then uh, we cut from there, and we're at the warehouse. It's night. You know, Halbrant is also in chains and shackles as he's being led off to jail um, by some of the shield marshals and the clockwork people. And we see like, um, you know, Angelique uh, standing over like the the stump bloody head the missing head of of uh dag was it dag i think it was Dag. and it's angelique and we can see now for the first time with a clear shot of her face she's got two eyes one is a amber color and the other one is silver two different color eyes and she's standing over the stump she's just looking down and you can just see almost like a sad look on her face as she's we're sitting on her for a minute we're contemplating and we can see written on her face as she is Reflecting upon her actions here tonight. And we don't necessarily see a happy face. It's a bit melancholy. And then she gets out the walkie-talkie. How <laughs> I do that? Site. The site is secured. The tip was correct after all. Smuggling ring. We have one person in charge of this smuggling operation. That escaped after offing his partner. Responsible is the immigrant known as Halbrant Beastwood. He is in custody. She sort of like <clears throat> unclicks her walkie-talkie, puts it on her hip, and then turns with her cape sort of in the air and walks off. And the last thing we see is the bloody stump, headless stump of of uh, Dag. And we kind of camera pans up and we see Hal sort of being led away. What's Hal doing in this moment, looking back at all of this and hearing all of this happen? He's hoping that Sil has gone to fetch Saruk, which, like, he fetched other things out of the desert for Angelique. And uh, he looks to the shield marshals to each side of him and says, I was one of you. You know, I was an honorable man. I would never do anything like this. They both laugh. <laughs> These are two of the deputies that you know run with Angelique. Like, sort of 
She has her own crew within the Shield Marshals, and these people are close with her. You have no idea what the people do where I'm from. I will see you both dead. They like, there's like a moment where they look at each other and you have this serious threat on your face and they lock eyes and a moment passes. And one of them laughs so hard and like doubles over and like slaps his knee and the other one starts uh, smirking like, you're never going to see the outside of a jail cell again. And uh, off, head down, off you march into the proverbial sunset, even though it's night. Uh, we cut back here to Reficule, and we see Reficule leaving the scene. What would Refic- What would Reficule do immediately after this? Uh, this is the hottest you've been in a while. Take what, pause for a moment and look back towards Tusks, kneeling over the bleeding out shield marshal. Shake his head, sh- shake my head slightly, and then I start running back towards Kojak's house. Trying to, you know, take pains to not be noticed or followed. But, uh, uh, thinking back on tonight's adventures and the messages that were sent, and that thinking that the people that he's come to care about might not be as safe as he'd hoped, he's gonna run back towards Kojak's. And the camera shuts for a minute, it cuts for a minute as. Reficule's running. We see now there's like a, a sniper scope with the targeting reticule, and it's right on Reficule. And the camera sort of pulls back a little bit, and we see from the, the top of a nearby building watching Reficule make his escape is none other than Angelique Loveless. And she's watching Reficule, but we see that she pulls her finger off the trigger and just lets him go. And it kind of comes up and frames it in her face. And we see her say to herself, Hmm. Not often I get the pleasure of killing the same man twice. And we cut from there to down on the street. Uh, the shield marshal has been found. The clockwork sort of robots have found her. One of them is like a sort of medical bot that patches up the shield marshal and brings her back to consciousness. And um, Angelique is here and is like, asking for the full report and like as we're talking the camera kind of shows up and from a nice secure safe distance we have uh Saruk watching this unfold and trying to sort of pick up what he can hear on this sort of situation and um we see angelique listening very intently on her description of Saruk and her description of reficule and how it all went down and Angelique just sort of listens. And we see her talking to the two same people that we saw arresting Halbrant in the previous scene. And she looks over at one of them and she says matter-of-factly, it looks like Grimthak was right. Oh, that's Irish. It looks like Grimthak is right. The demon is still alive. Still Irish. The demon is alive. And this Saruk might prove to be an interesting complication. Put it out, they both killed a man and a shield marshal tonight. We need them in custody. Um, and it sort of 
cuts away from there and we see a chow line, a sort of chain gang out in the yard as um, <laughs> in the middle of the chain on the chow line, chained foot to foot, we see dressed in prisoner stripes, Halbrant getting a plate of food slopped on and uh, he, the camera stays there and it moves and a few people behind in line we see Anita also wearing prison gear also stuck here getting her slop of food as they both sit in line at the table just you know four down from each other your eyes meet across the way both of you in custody what would you guys say or do looking at each other I think Hal would wait for the people to come pass by as he's talking to the cook. He'd look to the next guy, go right ahead, go right ahead. And then he'd look, see Anita, and he'd uh, look down towards her. I sent, I sent Sil after Saruk, and if your boyfriend is with him, Sil's going to bring him back to us. Don't you worry, we're going to get out of here. In the meantime, enjoy this fantastic food. Let me tell you, it's better than Lizard's Tail. She doesn't say much. She's just seething. How long before Sil gets Saruk? Won't be long. You know, Saruk worked with them last time. He's a, he's a patient man. He's probably spending half his time keeping Refugeok from running up the front gates here and shooting up the place, but I'm sure he has a plan. Refugio. He's a little bit of a hothead, but I trust the Rook. I mean, if I followed, if I if I did what Refi usually does, maybe I wouldn't be here. Don't worry. They'll come get us. I saw the way he looked at you. Well, I mean, Saruk appreciates a man who uh, leans a little towards his way. So, don't worry, Sil will not let us down. Right. So, cut to Saruk. You're back at your house. It's been at least maybe like a week or two since your encounter with the Shield Marshal. You've been laying low. Luckily, no one's come by here looking for you. And one night on the door, you just hear like scratch, scratch, scratch at the door open and you look down and you see Syl or you know Annie as you once knew her I just kind of like look down see dog look up don't see how there's an immediate click of oh my god and then just like I don't know if Syl has a collar I I feel like no probably probably not based on everything I've heard from out but just like grab a bit of food how I I should have paid more attention I'll just like set food down in front of where Sil is trying to get her to come in the apartment and then close the door lock it. The door locks and closes. And the last sort of thing we see is, you know, an undetermined amount of time has passed and we see the same child line. We see Anita, we see Halbrent, both sitting there eating the same slop day in, day out. And Hal takes his like utensil, bites into his like mashed potatoes and there's like a, like almost like a clicking noise. And it like feels like something almost breaks your teeth. Pull it out, and there's the tiniest key. All right, come with me. Let's go. Okay. And 
I'm just depressed. (laughs) Yeah. And so from there, we sort of like pan out and the camera pulls up away from the city, away from the jail, up towards the sky. The smog is thick. The rain is falling. The cobblestone streets are pooling with muddy, dirty, oil-slicked water. Steam rises from the buildings. The churning of the gears click clacking in harmony with themselves the heat itself evaporating the raindrops on the buildings the camera follows that steam up until we are high above the city of Alkenstar through the thick smoggy sky making it hard to see moments later the smog breaks and we see we are looking down on a slice of a much smaller world or sorry, we're looking at a small slice of a much larger world. Each district within the city acting like a cog, serving its function, click clacking, making the whole greater than the sum of its parts. And in one place, rising high above the rest, reaching for the stars, Grayson's fingers, nine towers rising above the smog, the grit, and yes, the poverty that fills the city. For all the cogs below, every single person turns, does its function, so that this place may thrive. One man stands here, high above the city, on the balcony, looking down over everyone else. As our camera drifts closer, we can see he is dressed in finery, It's the halfling financier, Ambrose Mugland. He sits here, sipping his goblet, and we can see he has two guests behind him. The city looks so small from up here, and standing ever-present in the corner of the room, none other than Ginthrak himself. He looks at his pocket watch before putting it away. Everything is on track, as expected. I shall have you the formula very soon, so long as you have my cash on hand. The camera sits close on his face as he grins, and with a single wink, the camera fades to black. Roll credits. End prequel. Can I I do a quick post credit scene. Alright, Ruffy, give us the post credit scene. So you see Ruffy in the back alley of Kojak's house where they're at. Rubbing his shoulder a bit where he's been patched up. And he takes his pistol and he loads it. And you see him aim. And he fires again. Same spot where he's been practicing every morning. And the camera pans down to two targets that he's just shot. One the drawn likeness of Angelique Loveless and a second with the drawn likeness of Ambrose Mugland. Both riddled with bullets. 